Hello, this is Alana Sweetwater. Thank you for joining me on the Warrior Impact Podcast. Hello, everyone. What a treat to be back with you. And (laughs) I have something really special for you. You don't realize it yet. I have with you my friend, very dear friend, Marlon Grace, who is a brilliant comedian, musician, pervert. (laughs) Just kidding. No, that's true. (laughs) In order for him to feel comfortable for this podcast, he had to lay on my bed. Mm -hmm. I'll post a picture of this. He's laying on the bed. I'm sitting in a chair. He really wanted to be comfortable so that he could be honest and vulnerable for this interview. So welcome, Marlon. Thank you so much for for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And I'm so happy to show uh, your audience my doo-doo maker. (laughs) Yes, in the picture that I post, you will see Marlon's butt crack. This is something he's comfortable with. So Marlon. Yes. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I know you've been doing this podcast for a second, and I've been waiting for my uh, invite, (laughs) and I finally got it two weeks before I leave L.A. I I didn't know you were leaving in L.A., and I'm really sad about that. So Marlon and I, we used to play in a band together, and he really, truly feels like, like home to me. So I am really sad to hear that he's moving. But I'm really happy for the reasons because Marlon is somebody who I've always felt was a really brilliant person, a really empathic person, a very um, observant person. And anything that he has to say, I listen. Um, what's interesting about Marlon is he truly isn't like anybody else. And when he steps into a crowd, he lights up the space. He has everybody laughing. He has everybody engaged. And yet he's also somebody very private that likes to be alone, too, to, to rejuvenate. When I asked him earlier, like, where and when in life do you feel the most comfortable? What did you say? Uh, in my house, naked, watching football and having good food around me. Yeah. Away from people. Almost uh, recluse. Yeah. So it's all, it's interesting because it's like, these two extremes of extreme ex- extrovert and extreme introvert, which a lot of artists have, actually. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about what it was like growing up, being like the person you are. Um, what I observe of you, and, and I wonder what it was like growing up being this way, is that you're super sensitive and you have a very strong sense of what's right and wrong. You want to protect people. You're protective of them. You see everything, which must drive you crazy sometimes, to see everything in the world uh, that's going on, to see the multi-layers of people and what they consist of. I mean, what was it like for you growing up being this way? Well, um, I grew up and I... And I knew at a young age that I had this ill filter in my brain. And a lot of it comes out comedically, right? They say um, uh, 
comics say funny things, comedians say things funny. And I'm a natural born comedian. And so the way things go into my head, no matter what they are, tragedy, happiness, uh, sex, whatever, it's always going to come out. A lot of times it comes out, I should say. A lot of times it comes out as funny. And I don't mean to be funny. I really don't. And that's what's crazy. I never ever say, I'm going to make these people laugh. Mm -hmm. But ever since I was a kid, I've always been class clown, but Mm -hmm. still got good grades. I don't know. I feel it's a gift. It you is know what I mean? Gift. It's a gift to 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 uh, make people laugh and forget about their problems. I know that sounds a little cliche, but it really is. If you laugh, you don't have a chance to f- think about the bad things that are going on. So I've really embraced that since a very young age, and I can't explain where it came from. I just think people, comedians, are born. You're yeah, born. You definitely, know. it's almost like your perception is broader and deeper than the average person. I was watching that George Cartland uh, documentary and he was saying that, which is amazing if you guys haven't seen it, um, he was saying how when a person laughs, they are the most themselves. Mm. They're completely disarmed when they laugh, which is so amazing because we realize, okay, with extreme grief or trauma, um, people come together, people can become more vulnerable and become themselves. But this idea of becoming yourself through laughter through extreme joy that that connection is possible too have you seen that i wanted to add to what you said and it's it's, it's related to what you just mentioned about george carlin and all that laughter that that moment when people are laughing and stuff when you ask me um what when do i feel most comfortable it's when i'm home by myself alana i promise you i laugh more when i'm by myself do you really i laugh more i laugh all day i laugh all day um, how do you do that my just things that come out of my mouth and the way i just if i'm watching tv what i how i the filter i have how i laugh more when i'm by myself so that's another reason why wow. i get my best laughs out and i don't care i I'm, I'm my own audience you know what i mean how do you take things that are hard that are painful, that are fucked up, that are happening, and which comedians and yourself included are so great at doing, which is putting a spin on it that can be humorous. Like, it's so true that it's funny. Well, it's usually a wrong. If someone, if there's, you know, for instance, currently with all the mass shootings and stuff like that, there's always something wrong with somebody, and that's what comedians laugh at. We try to laugh at ourselves. We try to laugh at the things other people do that are wrong, and what these mass shootings are is a lot of wrong. So it's easy to find the funny and when something's wrong, because you go, well, that guy went nuts for this or that, or he recorded this and that, he dressed like this or that, mm-hmm. and it's easy to find that, because that's what comedians do. We take what's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and we take what's wrong, and we make it funny and palatable for everyone to laugh at. That's why people laugh at it. They can laugh. They go, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of mm-hmm. fucked up too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of wrong too for that. Right. So it's easy. That's, that's an easy. But to be honest, yes, I can make fun of those things, but the other side of me doesn't. That is when I change. Like mm-hmm. I'll be hella sad for, for hours. I've seen Just that off, off of, of laughing and having a joyous day and then I see that or read about it mm-hmm. and I am sad. It hurts. It really hurts. Um, I never knew why whenever I saw homeless people when I was young or women crying. I never liked seeing women crying. I would hurt mm-hmm. really, really, really bad. And I didn't understand it from this person who likes to laugh and give the shit to people, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, comedically and stuff like that. But when I see someone who's down and out or has less than, where things aren't fair in life for them, mm-hmm. that hurts me. And I don't, I don't understand how I can go, you know, those. And it's really, I, as much as I love laughing, I feel that much sadness when I see things that aren't right in the world. I mean, any time I've been with you, 
anytime anything that was going on that might not be fair or right or just somebody going through something I always saw you gravitate to that and want to help that and want to want to contribute something positive if it's just getting somebody to laugh or smile or changing you know their perspective a little bit but one thing I've never seen you able to do is ignore it Mm -hmm. and so that's what led me to believe that you're an empath and and um do you understand much about being an empath? Have you from what you told me? Yeah. But if there's something else you'd like to share with me about it, but I, I kind of understood, and I was glad that there was something. That I just I never understood why I felt so much for anybody, any stranger that had tough times or or less than. It hurts me, and I'm like, why am I so hurt? Yeah. Why do I want to cry for this person? Why yeah. do I want to help this person? You know what I mean? I never understood that. Again, because I have that cynical, comedic mind that just chops up everything and beats everything up. That's why it's really tough for me sometimes being myself because I know what people would say. I know what I would say about me. So if I wear something a little different or, uh, you know, we were talking about me dating and stuff like that, I know how I would laugh about me and that person. Mm -hmm. And that's another tough thing, too. I know what the funniest people would say about me and my situation because I've I've already called myself everybody. That reminds me of that um, Eminem movie where, like... Eight Mile. Eight Mile, where, like, the guys are always talking shit about his mom living in a trailer park, doing crack, and it always was this source of pain and injury, and it would always just fluster him and in the end when he wins he just starts out the rap battle by like yeah my mom's a crack whore who lives in a trailer park what else you got and it was just like this moment of power of just claiming the worst case scenario like all right that's a part of me so what what else the fuck are you gonna talk about yeah but it's a daily because it's like i said that comedic filter i have is always it's a gift and a curse because i i i I don't see myself i don't have People, everyone thinks I'm a very confident person, but I think I have way less confidence than what people think mm-hmm. because I can beat myself up about something or what someone's going to say. And you shouldn't worry about what people say, right? For the most part, I don't give a damn, you know, but there's a part of me when I know what's really wrong with me. Again, those faults the things that you do wrong, I can cut them up and I just mm-hmm. don't want anybody to see it. So I'd rather stay inside and away from people so it's, I don't give them a chance. It sounds like a double-edged sword, like the same ability that you have to take in everything and analyze it and see... You, I mean, in a way, you have to see the shit to be able to laugh at it. Otherwise, there's nothing to talk about if everything is great and perfect. Right. But then the other edge of that sword is kind of like self-analysis and it is. self-judgment and self-beratement. Man, and it's tough, especially with dating and stuff like that. You know, I fall short on some things here and there that I know, you know, wow, what are they going to say about me? And that's kept me from a lot of dates because mm-hmm. I was like man she's going to break this down or she's going to say this or once she sees this part of me you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so I'll stay away from a chance of you know finding happiness with somebody because I've already beaten myself up what they may say right so you took yourself out of the I game I took myself out of the game I called a girl up one time mm-hmm. uh, three hours before she was going to come to my house she was staying in uh uh, she lived in I think it was it Fontana out there in Fontana we met through an app and um and she was curious. She's like, I wonder how your nails are. Your nails clean? Because a lot of guys don't have. I go, yeah, I'm pretty clean. How about your bathroom? Because guys have dirty bathrooms. <laughs> and she's telling me, she's like, yeah, and I'll be down there in five hours. She's asking me these questions. And I called her up before she got on her train to drive down to L.A., uh, traveled down to L.A., and I told her not to come. And I broke it off because I was like, 
She's already asking these questions. What else is she going to What else is she going to get into? And I was nervous oh, about it. I had invited her and her dog over to my place. She had packed them all up and all that. And I called it. And she was mad. Never, obviously, she didn't speak to me anymore. And I just broke it off there. Because I was like, what else is she going to say? Yeah. That part of me. Well, she's coming in judging already. And she's coming into my... Inner sanctuary. My inner sanctuary where yeah. I feel most comfortable. And yeah. I was like, she's going to sit here and just asking this and asking that. And I can't help but to be honest. Yeah. But my eyes don't lie. If I get hurt, you can tell when I'm hurt or something bothers me. And it's, it's, it, she would have told, she would have recognized that. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been a good visit. It would have been terrible. I, I know I saved myself some grief. Definitely. But Definitely. I did it ahead of time. Well, you know? she was already coming at you with like judgment and intellect. And... But so, it was, it was going to be good pussy, though. And so maybe, say that. who knows? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would have I don't know. It. She sounds a little uptight. Yeah. Okay, scratch that. <laughs> I'm not scratching shit. <laughs> so my question to you is this. Knowing that you are different, knowing that you feel everything, knowing that, like, there's something going on within you. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like growing up? Like, did you kind of fake that? Did you hide it? Did you no. just rock it? Like, this is me. I'm fucking weird. Like, well, you know, kids are innocent, you know, and they tell, they don't, don't, they know not, not to tell the truth. So it was the greatest thing. I had my shift. I had a lot of fights, you know, getting into fights. It's just, you know, you grew up in the hood and I'll put it in quotes, New England hood, but it's still the hood section eight and I was poor and stuff. You have to get into fights. You have to learn how to fight. I learned how to fight at a young age, but when I really grasped being funny, Mm-hmm. For, I you didn't never have fight, to fight anymore. I didn't have to fight anymore. And it wasn't like I was I wasn't making them laugh not to fight. I was just a funny guy and no one wanted to hurt the funny guy because yeah. it was great for everyone in gym, in class, yeah. and, and, and you know, uh, the big, uh, you know, they would hold assemblies and stuff like that and I was the funny one. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, and then, man, going in junior high and high school, it was like, man, the funny guy gets a pass. Wow. Everybody wants to be around him. So I didn't have to worry about it. And it, again, I never ever went out and said, I'm going to make people laugh. It's just the way that I saw things Especially yeah. for, for high school, man. It was just, you know, I was, you know. So you were able to channel your sensitivity into humor. Mm-hmm. And that was acceptable to everybody. In fact, it was celebrated by everybody. Mm-hmm. So nobody really connected with the sensitivity behind it. They were just like, this guy's funny. He's great. Like, have him around. And I got my least amount of tail in high school. I got no puss. <laughs> I got no puss in high school. Seriously. I was oh the big God. bear. Everybody wanted to be around the big bear. He's so funny. He's this and that, this and that. You know what I mean? Like, they just love being around me. Mm-hmm. And again, those so are my... So you were a friend. I everybody. was a friend. Every, I was everybody's friend. And, and, yeah. and that's kind of what we were just saying. Like, I didn't have to worry about fights or anything like that. You know, like, why are you going to fight the funny guy the guy that keeps us laughing mm-hmm. but it was also as a friend to the girls and stuff like that and everybody thinks wow you make a girl laugh yes later on it pays off to right. laugh it really works I girls are very cool with me because I, I laugh and I disarm them not in a bad way I'm not doing it as you know uh, with uh, I'm not doing it with an agenda but I just being funny and they go I just feel so comfortable around you so <laughs> okay so, Marlon, what I was going to ask you was um, what I think is really interesting about how creative you are is mm-hmm. that you've never done drugs. Mm-hmm. You've never drank. Never been drunk or high in my life. I mean, that's amazing. I've actually never met anyone else besides you like that. I- so I'm just wondering, first of all, why did you choose not to and how do you manage life without it I don't know like, <laughs> and how do you handle other people's opinions about I'm that I'm in my head mm-hmm. a lot um, I don't know because I can go anywhere 
Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere, anywhere that I think, I mean, I don't know, but I think almost anywhere drugs take you, I can go there in my head. That's true. You know true. what I mean? Yeah. I, I enjoy that much. I have my own dopamine, my own dope kicking mm-hmm. in every time I laugh. I laugh all day. I'm mm-hmm. laughing, 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 laughing. I find laughs. So I'm getting high. Mm-hmm. I'm getting high with, with my laughter. So that's good. That's that's my rush. That's my Amazing. rush. And I love finding people that can enjoy me with that rush. Um, but I don't know why there's nothing in my life that was terribly horrible. Where I was like, well, oh, don't smoke or drink. I just knew that they weren't good things. Mm-hmm. I heard what it did to people, especially African-Americans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I saw a relative die from cancer. And I, I saw weed when I was, you know, I kind of like uh, uh, weed and uh, dingling people were kind of synonymous who just, you know, acted out a little bit. So maybe that was part of it. But I mean, I just didn't want to do it. I was... I found my I found my highs. Mm-hmm. I found my highs in happiness and laughing, and you know what I mean. I that for me. But yet you felt like the minority amongst the population who does most people do drink. Yeah. I, yes. I, I well. I I remember uh, someone found a study uh, where they said you know how many people do not smoke and do not drink, never been high or anything, and only two percent of people in the world can say they have they don't do you know either or. Somebody they either drink. You know, wine just even casually and stuff, or they smoke and like. But only two percent of the people in the world mm-hmm. don't do it. So I wow. started. It was started to become this thing. I was like, I'm the two percent. I'm that two percent. You know what I mean? I, I got my own thing going on. You know, mm-hmm. this is my thing. And and after a while, uh, no one bothered me about it. Before Uber and 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 and, and um, uh, Lyft and all that came along, I was. A lifesaver. I was a designated driver all the time because I can go to the clubs. I played football for years. I played music for years. So, you know, everyone gets my drink tickets. Everyone gets home with the guy who's in the band. I'm getting people home safe, getting people home from the football party safe and all that because I was, so I was a commodity then. Yeah, um, now, definitely. Yeah, but since Uber and them, they, no one needs me anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, to be honest with you, um, it has scarred me in the dating game, not drinking or mm. smoking. Um because whenever you meet someone, that's the way that you socialize, the way you kind of get on a common ground with people when you first meet them and all. And uh, Well, most people have to do that to get open. You're already yes, open. I'm open. I'll give you everything. <laughs> I'll tell you everything. I'll discuss anything right there. And people don't understand it. Like, where is he coming from? Why is this person going to forfeit this information or be like this? You know what I mean? We haven't had anything. No. You know, so uh, I've heard the proverbial record scratch many a times when I was out with girls. Like, oh, God, this is so much fun. What are we going to drink? What are we going to drink? Oh, I don't drink. <laughs> Uh, and then they change, man. You see them change. Oh, you don't? Why? <laughs> and it was harder to explain when you're in your 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Now in the 40s, I think people people give it up a little bit. They don't drink as much. 50s, whatever. But I remember I, I was like, man, am I going to tell people that I'm like in the program or something? Or, you know, I can't be around kids when I drink or something like that. I was wondering, you know, what lie would I come up with? But I don't like lying. I hate lying. I don't like lying. And you can tell if I'm lying. I've never so I just experienced tell, you to lie. I don't. I don't. It's just it bothers me to lie. Again, I know what it is. It's a fault. You know, people get silly or do different things off of lies. They build and capitalize on being liars. If I always thought the world would be the best place if we didn't have the ability to lie. Right? Do you think people lie to themselves and that's what makes them good liars? Well, yeah. It's, 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 you lie to put yourself up in some way, shape, or form. You don't want to be in trouble because you did something, so you lie. So that's lifting yourself up. That's mm-hmm. putting yourself in a better place. Lies are to get over. Mm-hmm. People get over, and I've never been a good liar. My mother told me ever since I was a kid, you are not a good liar. I know who did. Let's go ask Marlon. But you're good at recognizing lies. Oh, man. <laughs> you are I can really tell in a second. I can tell a liar, but that's just, just all my life from not doing it 
and being around watching people that do it. You know what I mean? I've actually never met somebody who could size a person up faster than you. Like, is that your intuition? Is that your intellect? Are you taking in, like, subtleties of body language? How are you doing I have that? an observation. I, I'm always observing. I'm always watching people and taking in, you know, uh, the details of what they do, everything. And, and then I just have this Rolodex that's in my head that's easy to access. Mm-hmm. I go in, and there's not that many different people in the world because we all kind of do the same things. We all kind of want the same things. I know when someone's going to act up. If I see someone cut me off in traffic or someone cut someone off, I have to speed up to see what that person looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? I go, oh, that's the kind of person to do it. You know, uh-huh, you know, right. she's an older lady or she just got over to this country or, you know, she may be from, well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I was like, wow, bad driver. Okay, so that goes into my Rolodex of uh, mm-hmm. people. But I've been doing that since I was a kid. I put people, I don't put them in boxes, but I put them in categories. So what's the difference between your intuition and your ability to categorize and take in that subtle information and, and Not a lot. Logic? There's a thin line between the both of them. Not a lot. Because my, my observations, they're pretty right. They're, they're a lot of times I, I call it and I go, I knew it. I'm wrong sometimes, but then that's the same thing as my intuition because your intuition is just that. Your intuition is like, I think this is, I think, you know, like this maybe, you know, but it's really, I have that going, I think maybe, and then I go, oh, let me go to the Rolodex. Oh, yeah, that is this guy. He's a dingling. Don't date this guy. You do not want to, he's squinting his eyes trying to look cute. Don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. You know, I just, I've, I've, it's really worked. I, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of having the mind that I have because yeah. I create stories all day. As I'm driving down the streets, I can go right into a story. I've always wanted a video of yeah. that, like, like hone in on the person that you're looking at and then let you do the whole dialogue of what they're thinking. And, and it, I, I do that. And when people with me, I know they get the laugh out of it because they know it's a truth. I can snap right into, mm-hmm. you know, what someone's doing or what they may say, this kind of person, the way they look again. Go through that Rolodex that I've mm-hmm. formed all my life through life and movies and the way people act and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, usually I can, you know, hit it. It's like a freestyle. It's like freestyle rapping for me. Speaking of that, I want you to know that you've created something in me that annoys everyone that does road trips with me. What is that? Because every time I go on a road trip, I want to do what you and I do, which is put on some beats and, like, improvise spontaneous <laughs> rap songs. Yeah. And everybody hates riding with me because I'm like, let's make up a rap. Let's rap. And I find some, like, you know, hip-hop beat and, I, and nobody wants to do it with me. And you that. ruined me for that because I can only do that with you. Nobody else wants to it's play It's an awesome that. exercise. It didn't ruin you. I'm just sharpening your brain. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It is a good it's brain fun, sharpening. That's fun. why I yeah. like it. Um, Okay, I know we're going to wrap it up soon, Mm -hmm. but one of the last things I want to say is, you know, being an empath and being a man, there's a lot of women that are comfortable owning that as like, okay, yeah, I'm sensitive, I'm intuitive, I feel a lot of things, I'm, I'm comfortable with embracing that. It seems to me like it might be harder for men to embrace in themselves in our culture. I'm just wondering what your experience is, because maybe I'm wrong, like, What's it like being artistic, creative, sensitive, intuitive in in this culture that we live in? It's awesome because the world is a bit on fire right now, and I can get lost. A lot of people are like you know you. I'll go right to watching movies and stuff, and I ingrain myself in movies. You know what I mean? I love watching movies, and it, it, you get away for a second, and then I come out of that fantasy of watching movies, so, and then I'm, you know, just thinking of what this meant, what that meant, or put myself in that situation. So it's an escape. My brain uh, is an escape for me. Mm-hmm. So all these things that I feel, again, 
when I know it's something bad that's happening to other folks, or you know, folks aren't being treated right, or you know, death or something like that, I can feel that. But I can also escape. So again, just like we said at the top of this, I find that I'm most comfortable when I'm home alone. No one else has anything else to say about it, and I'm thinking and feeling for myself. And it's a, it's a fun place to go. My head inside my head's fun. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. And a lot of people give me, women give me, oh, you're a Gemini? I'm like, no, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. We're going to have fun, man. Yeah. It's never the same way twice. No. Well, Angles. That's... Corners. Sorry. <laughs> Different lighting. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me interview yeah, you. I'm really, really glad to just have documented the way that you think, especially because I don't know when the next time is that I'm going to get to see you face to face. And I just think you're one of the more extraordinary people I know so thank, thank you. you I want to do uh, next time I want to do the sex one because you're oh, going to yeah. hear what goes on in this head oh god oh, yeah yeah I don't know if we're all ready yet okay forget it <laughs> <laughs> alright the next one can be whatever you want yeah alright thanks Mark thanks a lot Keeping us apart was